0: Hello and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season 15, Chats 8. Each week on the show, we watch and discuss two episodes of the Netflix original series since 8, except this week we're only talking about one for reasons. Hi, everybody. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by the IT student who inexplicably allowed random kids to airplay their phone to Hernando's college course projector. It's Magellan. Why did you You think that was a good idea?
1: I thought it would make the learning more interactive, more Uh student-centered,
0: uh-huh. Forgot, how many i
1: forgot to i forgot about the network security settings I'm sorry
0: how many kids in this experiment put porn on the t- on the projector let's be honest
1: actually more than were in the class so.
0: <laughs> like people from other classes were air playing it. yeah
1: people walking by in the hallway yeah
0: that's really unfortunate <clears throat> but it led to a great lesson so you get the medal of honor for that one thanks pal really appreciate you <laughs>
1: teacher of the year goes to airplay
0: god dystopic future dystopic 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 davinci the sad
1: thing is there won't be any teachers to teach us
0: which one's right damn true um (laughs) what's going on john what's new and exciting in your life pal
1: oh um i don't know Uh, i know this is the hardest part of the
0: podcast for us
1: we're coming up on the holidays and this episode kind of got me in the mood for it which was nice Excited to spend those holidays um, with the people I care about. That's going to be nice. Like me, like you, like my girlfriend, my family. Uh, ooh, I'm ready to the podcast, Charlie. You okay, know, friends, all sorts of people. Um, what about what about you? What's going? What's new with you?
0: Oh, I had a lovely Thanksgiving. We're recording this after Thanksgiving, mm. like a couple days after, almost. Yeah, several days after. I was at my parents for two days. I've had a tumultuous couple of days, but like good tumultuous. And my semester's over in three weeks. So I will be grad school graduate Alan, baby. (laughs) I have so many loans. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't actually have that many loans because grad school is paid for partly by my work. Don't you just love private education? Isn't it such a beautiful little grift?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's
0: stellar. It's great. Um, no, I am really blessed that they pay for part of my schooling, and but I mostly just really want to be done because I miss my Wednesday nights very much. I can watch wrestling mm-hmm. and actually sleep at a reasonable time instead of go to lecture for 100 hours. Yeah. Um, that's the main stuff going on in my life. But yeah, as you said, it is the holiday season, and with that brings a holiday special, yeah. specifically the Sensei holiday special. Just like when we watched Better Off Ted, we finished right around the time of their reunion. We happen to be on Sense8 Season 2, Episode 1, right at the tip of the December holiday season. So, this week on Chatsey, we watched Sense8 Season 2, Episode 1, Happy Fucking New Year. This was also known as the Sense8 Holiday Special before it was retroactively made, Season 2, Episode 1. Mm-hmm. And it's a two-hour episode. It was written by Lillian Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski. And it was directed by Lana Wachowski. Not the sisters, but oh. just Lana this time. Uh, this episode aired December 23rd, 2016, so about a little less than six years ago. Uh, Magellan, can you tell the folks what happened in this one?
1: I would love to. By the way, I um was going to ask you what your favorite holiday is, but then I remembered that we, years Ranked ago, up. we did our top five favorite holidays yes. um, on our Patreon So if you want to go back to our Chats Nights archive, Chats Nights 6 from October 21st, 2018, (laughs) (laughs) old and crusty, anyway... Uh Yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you what happened in the holidays. It's patreon.com.shaspod,
0: by the way. Sorry. A, a pod, yeah. right. Uh
1: I'll give you, the, give you the gist. So the journey continues as these eight singular hearts and minds weave in and out of each other's lives, finding deeper connections, learning darker secrets about one another, and struggling to identify with more than just oneself. Huh. That's beautiful. I love that. So <clears throat> this aired... A few months after the end of season one. Is that right?
0: Yeah. We went from June 2015 to December 2016.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, a year and a half. Yes.
0: A year and a half Mama break. Yeah. And then when does season two, episode two come out? Mid twelve, I think it's March or April 2017.
1: 17. Woo-wee! That's quite the break. Um, so this yeah. must have been a real... I mean, it's that helps to contextualize i think some of the like rapturous bordering on self-indulgence that this episode in, uh you know puts forth in the best way possible it's like these are all your your very favorite best friends and it feels like we're doing the the beach episode plus a normal episode and they're like weaving into each other almost yeah like um, a holiday special as well yeah 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 and so that that explains i think part of that tone is like, hey, you haven't seen these characters in a year and a half. I bet you want to know what's been going on with them. And so we follow about six months worth of story time um, throughout the course of this episode. What did you think of it? Did you like it?
0: Um, yeah, this was the last Sense8 content that I watched. So I've never seen anything beyond this special. Um, and I want to talk about that later with regards to like how it functions as a special and why they chose to fold it in to become season two, episode one uh i like a lot about it it's definitely not my favorite thing we've watched for chats eight so far uh it has some of my favorite moments and scenes but uh the problems are starting to mount up as they attempt to like recontextualize and refocus sense eight into a new type of show in season two and i think some of that works really well and some of it just for me personally does not so mixed feelings on this now what about you
1: This feels like a holiday special in the sense that it's super characterful and fun and thematic and, like, you know, gets you to think about who these people are and what their world is all about. And also, there isn't really a lot of stuff that happens. It's such a fascinating episode. I mean, I love it because very few shows if any, ever do this type of thing where it's like, okay, we're going to show you six months and we're going to kind of not zoom through it in a way that feels fast, but we're going to go through it quickly, almost at the speed of how you would tell the story of your own life. Uh, Like if you wanted to update somebody on what you've been up to the past six months, you'd be like, well, you know,
0: my birthday, I did this and
1: then Thanksgiving, we did this and got married and all that you would focus on the most eventful parts and then you would feel like, wow, what a year. And you wouldn't talk about like, I don't know, the shits you took or (laughs) whatever, unless they were particularly interesting. Um, And so really, it's a really cool piece of storytelling because of how it approaches telling the story of that stretch of time for eight characters. And it does a lot of character work. And I think puts on a a gorgeous cinema like a display of cinema um yes. it feels like a collection of music videos kind of <laughs> is what this mm-hmm. episode is um but you could just not watch this probably and i'm sure you could jump into season two episode two and know exactly what's going on because like to a certain extent, this episode kind of just returns a lot of the characters to where they started or like rehashes some of their character beats from season one, um, which, again, knowing that it came out a year and a half later makes sense because it's like, OK, let's reorient people to the world. Let's reorient them to the characters. Let's get back into the groove of things. But it doesn't really shift the dynamic in any way because anything that's different from season one was put into motion at the end of season one so uh, in that sense i think it's kind of a curious thing because you'd expect a two-hour special episode to really like do some shit and it kind of doesn't but i love that about it um, so it's a hard feeling to put into words. All right, let's uh, chat about the episode, yeah?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Do you want to talk about this point here that I'm highlighting?
0: I do, yeah. So what John's referring to whether or not Sense8 yeah. is a jumping-on point for new... If, this, if Specifically, the holiday special is a jumping-on point for the show. And I think it succeeds and fails for a couple reasons, uh, which is why I said we should bring this up. Number one, this this ties into our second point, which is that Kaffia um, Sanyango was recast. Uh, and mm-hmm. from the research that I was able to do, uh, Amal Amin, the actor who played the season one Caffius, um, left the show due to quote creative differences, primarily with uh, Lana Wachowski. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, the there same thing. Isn't a ton of detail about that, although most people at this point suspect it might just have to do with like the content he was being asked to do, like nudity, sex scenes, stuff like that. Because um, he wasn't in the orgy scene in season one. And it didn't seem like he would be comfortable with that stuff. But who kn- we don't know. Um, he's never come out and made, like, a super official statement. But there was a lot of drama about this at the time, uh, like... For example, Jamie Clayton, who plays Nomi, was like, oh, you know, she posted on Instagram that she's really excited for the recast. And people thought, like, oh, is she mad because, like, Amalamin was transphobic or something? And that's why Lily or Lana hated him. It's like, no, actually, she had to come out and say, like, no, he was actually very nice. It's just that him and uh, Lana, like, did not get along super well at a table read. Um, and so they replaced him uh, with a new guy, um, which I also bring up because... Uh, not knowing who the original Kafius is might make this a little bit of an easier thing to watch, easier to pill to swallow. Because like you're just like mm. this is Kafius. If this is your first episode of Sensei, Eight, welcome to it. This is Kafius Yongo. You're gonna get more of him than we got of the other guy, actually, uh, which is like sad to realize. But yeah, it informs so much of how I feel about this episode that it almost like detracts from the special having watched season one in that specific way like you're thinking about yeah the time
1: yeah it's definitely really hard to get past i think that's just true of any tv recast moment um it, it, it's it's like hanging over you the whole time and they try to do this these things where they hang a lampshade on it and say oh caffius you look different or at oh. one point Kabaka's like you don't believe a man can change and you cut to this guy's face being a, huh? a new guy <laughs> and uh, you know stuff like that where uh, they draw attention to it because they have to but it doesn't fix the fact that it's really distracting and in a lot of ways Caffius was like the heart of the ensemble in yeah. season one um, he was the character who always showed up and cheered people up and this guy this new guy is like great I think we're going to see more of him, but he's playing Caffius a lot differently. Um, he's He doesn't have that sort of cheeriness to him in the same way. He's a little more... He's just got like a more classic leading man sort of energy in his plot, and that doesn't quite feel interesting to me. Um, so I was a little bummed about that as well.
0: It's an interesting casting thing, too, because... Uh Amal amin is british and american uh or he's british i believe uh i don't know of his, what his, his descent is but toby Onwumere, who plays the new Kafius, is nigerian and american so like we're still not actually in the right country of africa technically but you know he plays the, the character well and i think that the show does do a significant flattening of like different African identities. I think that like Kenya resembles yeah. the way we see a lot of uh, like Africa in television and film in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get a lot of like what specifically makes Kenya beyond like the use of buses as like primary transportation, but that's a big thing like everywhere. So like, yeah, there are like choices and reasons to cast a different person beyond just like creative differences. Um, the main thing I notice with him and I will pivot back to like whether the, how I feel like this fits as a pilot but I yeah. wanted to talk about this too. He's playing it. He's playing a much more serious Caffius. You know, right. they try, right. they try to bring that childhood, that childish wonder back when like the Van Damme is rebuilt and he's like, you know, punching it and like punching the front of it. Like, yeah, Van Damme is here. And he's so happy. He's with jelly. He's having a great time, but it feels forced and we're super
1: forced. Yeah, definitely.
0: It, it doesn't feel forced when he's serious, which maybe suggests to me that like, is Caffius' plot going to get a lot darker in this season and so they needed an actor who could like play that because Amin could play like grinning on the air in the airplane like oh my god we're in India oh my god what's London like he you know had that wonder and that childhood glee to him childish glee and this guy just doesn't have that so I'm wondering like was part of the recast too? like we just want a more serious Caffius because this guy does succeed in that I guess
1: yeah I think my last uh, thought on the recast is related to what you said about the flattening of African identities that's happening in the plot and the way, like, if the guy playing Will Gorski left the show, would they have cast a different American white guy and said, hey, it's Will?
0: That's a good question, right? It's a very good point. Uh,
1: I, I don't know. Uh maybe I guess we can't really argue counterfactuals like that, but yeah. it just just the mere fact that it's the African guy feels weird to me because we swapped in there's one already actor for another one. Yeah, just because there's already that kind of a thing going on in the actual way that the plot is Presented to us mm-hmm. where it's like a little bit more anonymous and tropey so I, I don't know um i think that's just like an unfortunate fact of the circumstances as opposed to like anything deliberate obviously by the wakowskis i wouldn't i wouldn't put it on them but the fact that the choice was to recast the character uh you know it's, I just wonder about that, and if that would have been the choice with any of the other sensates, or most of them, or some of them, or how would that or which gone?
0: ones? And we know like they filmed some stuff with Amin, right? So they like wrote a plot for season two, Caffius. It's not true.
1: like true, yeah. So maybe that's part of it. Yeah, it's
0: not like he left before while they were writing it, and they were like, okay, great, we just write Caffius out. It sucks, but maybe maybe we have him die in a sad way, like they did Fast and Furious style or something, right? uh but no, they had like written it and created it. And so now they have to swap somebody in or else they've wasted a ton of work. So right. it's true. I, I, I get point. how you get here, but I agree that like the optics of replacing your African actor with another African actor is like, well, hmm, are yeah. they the same? Right. They're like, their performances are really different. They're not close to each other. Right. Uh Ultimately, that's the thing with the Caffey's recast: is it's not close. He's not. Do- he is probably doing his best, I'm sure. But you wh- if that's what you were trying to do, then you whiffed it. If you're doing something else, I'm interested. I want to see more of it. But um, well, and if I was
1: if I was in the new actor's position, uh, I think that's a really interesting and challenging question. Of, and I think this is true of any time that there's a recast in a TV show is do you try to replicate the characterization that's happened before you, or do you just say, I'm a different person, they're not going to believe that I'm this other person, so I'm going to lean into that and bring a new interpretation to the character. Um, And it's not something we've seen a lot in chats. The only example I can think of is when we watched um, Fire Walk With Me, and uh, there was a different woman playing donna than in the tv series and in that case we kind of liked it because it was like donna at an earlier stage in her life so she's a bit more naive and so this other person's performance fits the character's moment in her life a little bit better um whereas here you're picking up kathy's right where we just left him there's not really a narrative reason why he would be a little bit more serious he just is because you're a different guy so it's tough Uh, you know i i don't think there's a a right approach Mm -mm. Um, but i'm curious to see how it develops and i'm sure as the season goes on we'll be able to get past it a little bit because there'll be a brand new plot that that is written around this this guy
0: yeah i mean like that moment they spend the whole first scene not showing his face like it's really played as a reveal it's not like we're gonna put him in and you're not gonna you're not going to think about it it's they know you're thinking about it and we're going to just reference that as much as we can to kind of land shade right. it. They,
1: yeah. They have the good sense to draw attention to it. Cause what else are you going to do? Um,
0: if you, if you don't see anything then it's even more like surreal. Yeah. So that's the cafe stuff. But I think uh, to the original question of how does this function, um, that's a point against it. If you, uh, as like a, a continuation, but a point for it, if you're watching this for the first time, I think that the, yeah. like, yeah, this is a fine caveat. This is a, of this character. It's fine. Uh, and this episode does have a lot of the things that made season one great. It has like open queer sexuality. It has themes of like the greater meaning of love and how we're all connected to each other, but we're not all the same person and the uniqueness of individuals. Uh, and it's filmed in different places. Like it's got all the stuff. So in a way it's a good one. However, uh, just like season one, whenever you dig into the overall plot, you realize, wait, am I in the middle of something whose whispers <laughs> we're already calling him that we already like it misses a lot of the development that you need from season 1 which is hey why are we together what does being together yeah. even mean that kind of and like setting the tables and the terminology which i think this this episode straight up doesn't do um
1: yeah i think it's it's a really interesting episode to talk about you know how does it function in the sequence of all the episodes who's who should be watching it and how Um, because like we've been saying, it's a really impressive, but imperfect continuation of season one. And it's a really impressive and imperfect jumping on point. Um, I think it would be a fine jumping on point for someone who's like, Oh, what are you, are you watching sensei? Can I watch it with you? Oh yeah, sure. I'm just going to have to explain a couple things to you. Like that person would probably be fine. And they would immediately get to jump into the coolest stuff that sensei can offer which is like we're all fucking in a big pile and now we're feeling emotions (gasps) Ah! (laughs) and we're everywhere and it's amazing like this episode is incredible for that and i think has some of the very best uh sense eight ass stuff that the show has done um and so in that sense i think it's a great jumping on point but you would need somebody sitting next to you saying okay so son's brother basically did this fucking thing where you know and okay whispers so he's like a bad guy but anyway
0: you're like solving a puzzle if you're watching this having not seen stuff you're spending the whole time going okay i think i get this and you're missing what's good about this episode which is the vibes the music the cinematography like you were saying earlier like plot wise not too much happens in this episode not like yeah not in terms of forwarding any sort of narrative yeah uh I think that
1: um, the thing, the last thing I'll say about this jumping on point thing is I like asking this in the context of, say, when we were watching, I don't know, like Babylon 5 or something. Yeah. Because that was a show that was airing on television and you conceivably were jumping on to a show at the beginning of a season. And that's like a commercial reality of a season pilot is it has to be welcoming to new viewers Mm -hmm. otherwise you're dooming yourself to only ever having fewer viewers than the previous season season. um but with sense eight like to what extent were people hopping on netflix in 2016 and starting here versus binging up to here you know what I mean. I-, I wish I could see how it was presented on Netflix's UI at this time to understand if it was being marketed as a separate episode yeah. special. You know, or... to my recollection,
0: it was exactly that. It was its own like launchable on Netflix called Sensei Christmas Special, pretty much, or like a Sensei. So Christmas. there's.
1: So there's conceivably a world where it's like the banner on your Netflix landing page: watch yes. the Sensei special. That's interesting to me because then it does have to fill this, uh, this role or this goal.
0: Mm-hmm. Sensei: um, colon a Christmas yeah. special is what it was called, and and also like the trailers were called that and everything. So yeah, there's a theoretical a weird, world where you watch this first.
1: What a weird thing! Like so little of it is Christmas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's yeah it's christmas in the last like 10 minutes and it's extremely Christmas. it goes from like not at all christmas to like 300 percent. we fell on the christmas Hempty meter christmas. yeah yeah uh i i wanted more christmas stuff that's another one of my complaints about this episode yeah agreed agreed. it's just it's just can we let's talk about the plots my favorite plot yeah, is in yeah, my yeah. my favorite other point that's in our outline here is is in no contained in nomi's plot line so maybe we could start with that one and then we could play like a ping pong back and forth thing.
1: Yeah. I think it might be helpful just to set the stage. Where is every single character in this episode? And then if you want to then talk about Nomi's in depth first, we could do that. Um, so we'll just go back and forth shirts and skins, picking our, our sensates for our team and explain what's going on with them. Um, I can go first. So, uh, Caffius, we've talked about already to some length. Um, Caffius' plot is a little circular because he's hanging out with Jella. The Van Dam breaks down. He gets a new Van Dam. He's driving the Van Dam around. He's talking to Kabaka, who's like, "I'm a cool guy now. I'm gonna make good medicine and not bad medicine or drugs type stuff." And that's kind of what Caffius is doing. And then he watches It's a Wonderful Life with his mom. And that's nice.
0: Merry Christmas. Um,
1: but, but that's what's going on with, with him.
0: I'll take Kala. Uh, uh-huh. Kala is having some hesitation in her new marriage with Rajan because uh, she is a virgin. And uh, Rajan learns this from her mother, which frustrates her greatly uh, because she feels like it's an invasion of her privacy and like she's being objectified. And not even to her face, but via her family, which is like a complicated issue. At the same time, she still has feelings for Wolfgang, even though he's trying, he's like practically pushing her away by now. Um, And the apex of her scenes involves her having, you know, her first time having sex with Rajan on their vacation in Italy. Uh, But Wolfgang is having sex at the same time over in Germany, which causes her to get distracted, fall over Rajan, which causes him to have a, a severe penile injury which gets him into the hospital. Um, He's okay. He just needs... Apparently, the doctor is just like, love will fix it, dude. You're good. And uh, they continue to have like some romantic stuff as Wolfgang hovers in the background.
1: I'll do Wolfgang. So the only stuff, other stuff, he has a lot of interactions with Kala. He's clearly still got feelings for her and wants to be around her. And... The other thing we're doing is rebooting the Berlin crime syndicate stuff by saying, oh, his uncle wasn't the only crime boss. He was one of four. And now there's a new German bad guy and everybody wants a piece of Wolfgang and they want him to be a crime boss and he doesn't want to. And oh, the nice thing actually is Felix is awake again. Yeah, um, And it's another one of those things in this episode that brings us back to the like initial reality of season one, Felix just wakes up because now it's time to feel like season one again, Mm -hmm. Um, which is interesting and a little strange. And I wonder thematically if that's intentional, if that's kind of about since so much of this episode is about the passage of a year. um, If we're kind of doing this thing about like things are changing, but we're also circling back around to the beginning of a new year like in some ways the new year's new but in some ways it's a repetition of a cycle of the year you know um i don't know maybe that's giving the show too much credit and they just wanted everybody to be hanging out again but
0: it's no i think a weird I, thing. I i agree though i think that they are they're resetting some plots because they realize they can't do anything else with them like there's only so much we can do with uh, Steiner and Steiner's extended family we can keep fighting them Steiner's mom yeah. comes up to Wolfgang at one point and is like you know there's these five kingdoms and it's like the it's such a video game ass style plot of like you beat the one <laughs> boss and now there's five bosses right uh, it's like new uh,
1: New game plus or whatever
0: exactly it feels like a new game plus thing um, yeah. so that covers is Wolfgang uh, Lito Rodriguez is still out and about with Daniela and his boyfriend Hernando um, the public is now realizing that he's gay and some people shun him for it. Like his, um, agent and publicist who don't know if he should make a big public deal about it. Um, but he wants to, cause he's proud of himself and, uh, he gets harassed by the paparazzi for this. Um, he's also evicted from his apartment for this, uh, in a really frustrating and sad scene. Um, and so even though he breaks back in, he realizes that all his stuff has been stolen when he was evicted. So, uh, Mr. Sicaro is not the nice guy anymore. uh, Even though Wolfgang manages to step in with some of that, like breaking in stuff. And uh, he, you know, the holiday season is coming up as we jump forward and he's worried about his mom knowing about this whole thing. He doesn't know if she's accepting. He finally goes home to her with Hernando and Daniela and lo and behold, it's a nice show and meant to make you feel nice. And his mom is totally into it. She keeps clippings of him all over the place. So even though Hernando's getting harassed at college, and Lito is getting harassed everywhere all the time. Uh, we can have a nice Christmas with our accepting, uh, mom. Yay. Merry Christmas.
1: Yeah. Son is still in prison. She, <laughs> <laughs> she meets with a series of lawyers, um, who are either trying to help her or are assassins sent by her brother to kill her. Um, that's a lot of what is going on. And then she has a handful of of nice interactions with other characters that I think, you know, we'll talk more about later. But in terms of plot, she's uh, still in, in prison, but has a lot of character development. And she's, like, being written to be a little more fun. Uh, yeah, some more yeah. jokes in her. She doesn't her, wear pants anymore.
0: She's like Winnie the Pooh style in prison.
1: <laughs> i was like, what the hell is going on? Why all of a sudden is this a season where she doesn't wear pants? Mm-hmm. I love but it. Anyway.
0: And not in a weird way, you guys. I love it because it means she can do cooler kicks. That's why, you weirdos. Right. <laughs> uh, Will and Riley are kind of a pair, so I can just knock them both out. Yeah. They're completely together in this episode um, all the time in Iceland, hiding out from whispers, uh, doing a lot of heroin, uh, and Will growing a really unfortunate beard um, in the meantime. Uh, I felt mixed about it, but I want to talk more about it later. Uh He's doing heroin because it helps him block out the Whispers visions, but Angelica keeps giving him visions, being like, "You know what I did to get rid of Whispers was I killed myself. And although he considers that, Riley manages to continue to pull him away from doing that. Um he ends up turning the tables on Whispers and interrogating him like, hey, you know, you're a real person too. I bet you if I look into you, I can figure you out. Oh, you have a daughter, you're on a bridge. I know where that bridge is. I think I may be able to pinpoint you, and uh, his main goal is to start pursuing whispers as Riley is kind of relegated to just being like, no, will don't. I love you. Uh, and they like do sex and stuff. But, uh, one day she wants to take him out for Christmas and, uh, she blindfolds him and opens it up in front of an ice skating rink, um, which he learns how to skate because she knows how to skate. And then, uh, in the big Christmas climax, he sees whispers and it's like, Oh fuck, what the hell? And it turns out that whispers, uh, has been, Getting Will's dad back into drinking despite him being in AA for a long time and also uh, basically has his dad, Will's dad's life in his hands. So the stakes are increased as now Will needs to pursue and per his words, absolutely fucking kill whispers because don't mess with my, his dad. Don't mess with Joey Pants, basically.
1: Yeah. So the last plot, and this is the first one that we'll dive into uh, in, in more specific depth is Nomi's, so she continues to be on the run from the feds. Uh, is this still because of the medical stuff in Season 1, or is she in trouble for some of the other stuff she did helping out the cluster?
0: I think it's mostly the Season 1 stuff still. They don't okay. specify.
1: So Nomi's on the run from some kind of federal agent guy who's sort of a Agent Smith knockoff type (laughs)
0: hilarious (laughs) that it's just agent smith yes yeah
1: um amanita is helping her to hide Uh, they are mostly able to function through their normal life even though they're having to hide out in various shelters or with family things like that um with friends who we'll talk about one of them in a second um and there's just a lot of like nice times between the two of them still remaining deeply in love uh you know it's a it's a feel good plot despite the fact that we're also having to make sure that the the feds don't find us kind of thing
0: yeah we meet more of him and his family uh bug comes back because he has no one else yes. to business with bug
1: Christmas.
0: every time i see bug i get more into bug i learned to live learned to love bug I you want to to talk about
1: something that Bug uh, talks about. Yeah,
0: Yeah, really crucial scene in terms of, like, this episode is not just all fluff and and fun. Uh, It seems like they're setting up a new thematic idea for us to consider with the Sensates, which is that... So, Bug, um, it serves the role of many queer people on the internet, and many people on the internet, especially in the 2010s and onward in that uh, the majority of his, like, significant friendships and relationships are on the internet because he's a hacker. He's got his hacker communities. He's probably... It's 2016, so he might still be in some IRC chats. He's probably on a lot of forums. Um, I don't think Discord's really big yet, but that's where he would eventually, presumably, migrate to. And uh, he's not... There's, like, a, a couple of, like, boomer moments in this episode where, like, you know, Hernando is, like, trying to teach a class and everyone's on their phone, and it's, like... Are you making a joke about people, like, being overly connected to technology? But that ends up being more that they're looking at naked pictures of him. Um, in this case, no, we don't judge Bug. He just doesn't have anyone I- IRL to spend Christmas with. He was just going to sit on the group chats and say, Happy New Year and Merry Christmas to people. Um, and Nomi and Amanita are like, well, you know, you have a family here. And they take him to Amanita's family for Christmas. Um, and I think that their show is finally coming out and saying that part of what being a sensate is like is what it is to be on the internet in 2016. Uh, yeah. And like, let's emphasize that. That's December of 2016, a really tumultuous time to be on the internet, but a time where having that connection is really valuable and making you feel connected and able to empathize with people who live thousands of miles away, um, who feel like your best friend. You know, If you have ever yeah. been uh, Twitter mutuals with somebody in a different country or Tumblr buddies and DM pals with someone you know what bug is going through here and that feeling that like these people matter as much to me as the people in my periphery, but I have never met them and I don't plan to. Uh, It's a really in, at least in 2016, it's a really new concept. Like I've had therapists and like adults in incredulously uh, look at me when I tell them that like a lot of my friendships are on the internet um, because it's just hard to process. Right. It seems weird, but Uh uh. What I love about this is my final point is that the show isn't judging it. For once, we're getting a show that's like, yeah, people just do that. That's not better or worse than being a sensate. It's pretty much the same, actually.
1: Mm.
0: And I really like that.
1: Yeah, I, I even like there's a moment where Bug is going to judge himself and he says, ah, Verts, I don't really know them." And then he kind of stops himself and he's like, actually, I, do. I know them really well. They're my friends and they know me better than like anybody does uh it's just that i haven't spent time with them in person and uh yeah i think that's like a really beautiful and accessible way to think about what does it mean to be a sensate is uh this sort of bizarre feeling really in the scope of human emotions of being like you are a text box in a forum or a group chat or you are a voice on a call mm-hmm. and like you are a really important person to me and you've helped me process challenging moments or you've like understood a part of who I am that people in my physical vicinity don't understand or, you know, things like that. Um, I just don't know what you look like <laughs> or – I do, but only from a front-facing camera view. I can't really conceptualize how tall you are, you know, stuff like that. Um, And I think that is not a metaphor for sensateness that I'd considered, um, but it's definitely a cool one, um, and it's something to think about as the The, season goes on.
0: The Wachowskis got on Twitter, right? Or at least uh, (laughs) Lana did in a big way. Um, uh, and post election, a lot of people are being radicalized by Twitter and the internet. And I myself like f- felt a kinship with bug here. Like, yeah, there are like things about my identity that I have never explained to somebody in real life that feel almost fake because I've never said them out loud, but I've written them and truly believe them late at night on a group chat. Uh, because right. like, and that's me too. That's real people I'm talking to and that's just that's really hard to process for a lot of us cuz we grew up on 90s media especially that's like you know the internet's like where you can be it just made it seem like this wasn't real like these friendships are somehow less than yeah. or less valuable uh than the physical ones and right. there's an argument to be made there but they're still valid
1: yeah and i think a lot of the like kind of harmful comedy of you know late 90s early mid 2000s media about internet interactions is like actually that person is totally different than how they're presenting themselves to you and Mm -hmm. like they're lying to you yeah that kind of thing which certainly happens but i think what's cool about this is how it's getting at the intimacy and like the vulnerability and honesty that that kind Mm -hmm. of relationship can have when they're there may not be like a physical closeness, but there's also not physical separation. You're inviting someone directly into your brain kind of. Um, And there's something really interesting to that.
0: Yeah. The, the relationship between the sensates, this episode has strengthened. They feel more comfortable with each other. They call each other by their names more than they ever did. And it's useful to have this bug scene in the middle of the episode or the, towards the end to be like, Hey, you know, like I, I, Alan, have talked on this podcast about like, okay, does, does being a sensate feel like something attainable? Um, and if so, where is it attainable? Where does that feeling of connection come from for the average person? Because we can't have the sort of real magical uh, hybrid mind right. that they have. But right. we can have online friendships. We can deeply, intimately empathize with someone across the world. Yes. And it's yeah. on the Internet. So yeah. I liked it. I, and I, I resp- I'm a bug respecter now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um other things from the Nomi plot, uh I really liked seeing uh Amanita's family. It was kind of cool being like, oh my god, there's like first of all, more people of color, not just in uh India or in <laughs> in, in Kenya. Uh-huh. That's exciting. Uh-huh. Uh I liked just I love I loved like the them hiding from uh Agent Smith guy. Uh I had a note by the way. So Amanita works at a bookstore. And local San Franciscans will recognize the signage that she works at City Lights, which I've been to. I went on my my trip to San Francisco. I've stood right where she stood and talking to Agent Smith in that episode. Um, And I bought books from there. I bought Slaughterhouse-Five and another book from there. So, like, again, they're doing the right work when it matters for San Francisco. Uh, But just, like, the women's shelter and the, the whole, like, the unspoken anxiety about, like, oh, do we... Uh, you know, get does the owner of this place like give up Nomi and Amanita at the risk of losing the shelter? And they're like, no, there's more important people here that need to like live and survive here. Um and they're like little hidden drawer, uh, dresser cupboard. I thought that was all really good stuff.
1: Yeah, I really like the I really like the way that this plot maps out those different spaces and demonstrates uh, and has been doing this in, throughout season one, demonstrates like the different ways that solidarity manifests in the community that Amanita and Nomi are a part of. Um, and it just feels like when we're visiting with them, we're in a world that's like, uh, <clears throat> maybe not the world that other shows are traditionally depicting, but it feels real and, mm-hmm. uh, like thoroughly. So in contrast with, uh, you know, some of the other environments that we're in, in the show that feel, a little more shallow because um, there just isn't that thorough of a sense of like the different types of characters who are here and how they treat each other and the different spaces that they move in and that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of, a lot of good uh, setting work happening in Nomi's plot. And I like that Amanita, oh, sorry. Um, I like that Amanita is like more centered in this. It feels like, it feels like right. this episode, especially at the top, does some work trying to put the broader ensemble in the middle of the plots. Like we spend a lot of time with Amanita or with Hernando at the beginning of the episode, before we really spend as much time with their significant others, which is, uh, I think, a good choice, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, Leo's plot starting with Hernando fully, like not, not yeah, Leto's not in it yet. Yeah, exactly, right. and then it turns out tr- plot twist—he was sitting in class the whole time, <laughs> or like walked in <laughs> at the end. <laughs> kind of goofy. Um, yeah. I what was were you gonna say s- no. I was gonna say that that honestly, there are so many scenes. This is such a dense two-hour thing that, like, I don't think we can realistically hit everything here. Um, so I was gonna ask you if you had just had some like highlights that you specifically wanted to shout out, because we could be here for like another two hours if we wanted to hit all of the all of the stuff in our notes.
1: Um, The standout thing to me about this episode, and I kind of joked about it before, is the musical montages, Um, and this episode is really a reflection on celebration, the different things that we celebrate, the different ways that we celebrate, and the different ways that people feel about particular celebrations, because we have, like, the Sensate's birthday, and the birthday sequence is stellar. It kind of kicks off with Riley and Will listening in on all the different music that everybody's hearing in their different mm-hmm. lives and how it feels like a radio station that's changing songs. Yeah. I love that. And one. then we have this fucking montage. That's like eight montages in a row of different music swapping between each other. And each part of it is a different mood. And one of those is like just the most beautiful orgy you've ever seen in your life. It's like a, like a sculpture in a museum or something
0: um so it's that's top, in there. top three beautiful orgies that i've seen in my life but please go on damn oh, I'm that's number one. <laughs> um the end of evangelion wow
1: i guess yeah the human instrumentality project is in a way the greatest orgy of all
0: yeah i'm so fucked up. <laughs> uh
1: so there's that and then we have uh I guess we skip Halloween. We don't get to get a Halloween sequence. That kind of sucks. Uh, but we do get a Thanksgiving, which is – I'd rather have a Halloween. Um, we get a Christmas. We get a New Year's. So we get all these different uh, musical montages that are that are pretty fun and that I thought were really probably the highlight of, of the episode. Did you have any bits from those – any of the various – like full group montages that really stuck out to you?
0: The the music, for sure. Um, The use of 2010's EDM. We're talking Avicii. We're talking Steve Aoki. We're talking all of the the hits in this episode. I felt like I was in 2016 again. It was, like, weirdly nostalgic for me.
1: (laughs) There's this fucking moment in the birthday montage where Riley is shaving Will's beard in the tub Mm -hmm. and the song Home Will Go starts and Mm -hmm. it's the... Who was that by? I'm looking it up right now. It was the most 2010s ass like thunk thunk thunker the drums in the background, and people are like, "Yeah, hey,
0: yeah." Might as well be the the what Lemon are ears we or something.
1: Doing, uh, Walk Off the Earth is the band's
0: name. Yes,
1: it, it, 2015 song. It felt so much like all the radio hits in college that I was like, "Stop playing this song. I'm done. I'm done with it." Um, oh, that's the but... Steve
0: Aoki and Walk Off the Earth. Yeah, that's why. The production is very, like, 2010s EDM as fuck. Oh, okay. Got rules. It. Um, I liked, yeah, I, I think the music was the standard in all the group scenes. The rapid cutting and, like, God, this must have all been hard to film. You know, the orgy, of course. Oh,
1: my God. yeah, Is,
0: is like, exhausting and happening in multiple places, and multiple partners. It's more than eight people. It's, like, every actor plus all of their partners. So that's at least, like, 12 people. Uh, and then the dance scenes are like, the, I don't know how many takes that took. They all look so natural and like they're having real fun with each other. Uh, like I struggle to believe that this is like take 100 because it feels so like we just put a camera in a nightclub and told these, these hot people to dance. Um, it makes the like 2022 judgmental part of me a little bit like twinge a little bit because uh, it reminds me that like everyone on Sense8 is hot. And it really does fail the th- the thesis that this is, like, eight random people, eight random 27-year-olds, uh, because, like, everyone's good-looking. Nobody's fat. Uh, like, it, and technically, because the way we're watching it, everybody speaks English. Like, this is an orgy of hot people that's, like, titillating because we like to see hot people on TV. But, like, yeah. I, w- there are different types of bodies that, are, that constitute beautiful and attractive, and I don't mean to be that person and it's a show on in hall for Hollywood, but like these are just like, I don't know. It felt kind of flat at at some point. And I love, and I I'm here for a fun orgy scene, but yeah, um, I just have different standards now. And that's kind of like the time difference from when I watched this and I was like, I might be gay to now. I'm like, where's the fucking, where's the fat people? (laughs) 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 God damn it. We're hot too. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I think that's a totally, totally fair critique. Um, Like, sometimes when I bring the
0: modern critique, I just feel like I'm being, like, a stick in the mud. But, like, it's real. These are real feelings. I'm not going to uh, deny them and pretend they're not happening in my head.
1: Yeah, I think maybe the, the valid critique is, like, okay. I mean, I think that's a valid critique. And I think another way to frame it is also, since it kicked open the door to be, like, we can have eight traditionally attractive people in a sex pile on Netflix and like we can zoom in on the two guys kissing and yeah. like here we are now what else does everybody else got and everybody else was like uh well we're going to do a new captain america movie pretty soon uh <laughs> it's just like a different era you know no nobody followed the sensate really to to build on what it did so i think the critique is what you're saying and also in 2022 it's 6 years later why has nobody else you know done the next step of this kind of thing yeah give me more Um, of this nonsense yeah give me way way more of this yeah and i think i i kind of added this we were texting about this earlier and i sort of added this on to your point there um and i think it's a similar thing of like it's the 2022 critique but like the picture of lito and hernando having sex and the way that it's responded to and nomi and amanita being like why can't the world see that this is so beautiful and i'm looking at the picture and i'm like these are two very square jawed Mm -hmm. chiseled men having sex with each other yes i can see how that is nice um it's like kind of a weird it's not a straw man necessarily but you know I think it's it's I think that's part of the same critique right of like in 2016 this was a groundbreaking thing and I think we can recognize it as such and Mm -hmm. I think we can also bemoan the fact that it took until 2016 for this to break ground and that we have not broken deeper ground uh, since then.
0: 2016 was a weird year. We're gonna keep saying it. We're gonna say it for the rest of our goddamn lives. But yeah. some things changed. Some things kind of went on pause for a while. People were maybe afraid to tell stories like this for a little while. Yeah. And we're just now getting back to that comfort. So who could say? Very
1: true. Very true.
0: Um, I'm at this point just bolding my favorite moments. Uh, yeah,
1: I think that's a good approach to
0: it. Just give you the ones that I like. We both talked. We've talked a uh, lot about the the orgy, but yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I I have a moment that I like, I think the moment I was the most critical of uh, that I wanted to get your thoughts on before, Mm -hmm. you know, we gush about some of the other parts of this. Because I think my, broadly, my experience of this episode was it was great. Um, And there was a lot of it that I really liked. Um, But the, one of the moments that I was more critical on or just like kind of uncertain about is... In Lido's plot, it his uh, sexuality becomes public information, public knowledge, and uh, as we said, we have the amazing scene where Hernando dunks on his homophobic student um, and says the line <laughs> "Art is love. Art is love made public," which is such a beautiful yeah. uh, thing to say. Um, and then Nomi and Lido have this great conversation where Lito's like, "Hey, I'm you know feeling a little nervous and." Uh says, why is it that when I feel scared I end up with you? Which is a great line for Lito to say to mm-hmm. Nomi. Um and then we get into Lito's like, Nomi, when you came out, did you have to deal with anything like this? Boom, cameras flash, we're in the limousine. Um and with Le with uh Hernando and Danny. And then we start doing this sequence where we're intercutting the different sensates and we're mainly focusing on Lido getting really upset at seeing someone has graffitied the F slur on like a wall somewhere or something. Um, and we're cutting between that and Kala getting mad at Rajan that Rajan asked her dad if, or her mom, if she's a virgin. And then we cut and Kala sees the word as virgin. Riley sees the word slut. will sees sees the word pig like, what did you think about this sequence? It felt weird to me. I wasn't quite sure what to make of it.
0: Uh, it's my least favorite scene in that whole episode. Yeah. Uh, because there's we talk a lot about like there is good, there's interesting disasters, which is like the prime chat's fodder, and then there is boring, which is like the worst kind of thing. And then there is like you tried something, you had a little bit of fun with it, and I think you went way too far in the direction of Guys, do you get it? We all feel judged. We all feel hated. Like this exact this scene can entirely be excised and we could extend the Kala conversation with her husband where she's like, I have the same mind as these six people, these seven other people, I mean, who have all these problems. They all feel trapped despite not being trapped. They all feel, you know, uh beholden to society's whims, which is true. All of them have that. So then why do this whole thing with the car and the slurs and all of this? It's like that the point where the Christmas special started to lose me was just when it felt like really overdone, and like guys, I do get it; these people are hated by a lot of society. Except they're also all really hot. Like you gotta, you're trying to convince me that like this sucks and it it, it sucks to be them, and I agree it does, but like this just felt like a little bit much to me. Maybe I'm getting more jaded. Maybe season two is gonna get me jaded on Sensei. Is that bad?
1: <laughs> it also to me just felt. The politics of it felt so weird because I think especially choosing for the people in the car to be Leto seeing the F slur and then a couple of people later it's Will seeing that same pig. spot and it says pig.
0: What are you saying? And it's like <laughs> gay people, cops, <laughs> world. We're, we're we're all minorities. <laughs> what? Right. What? <laughs> yeah.
1: So I don't know. And there's definitely um a case to be made for you know, we're not going to, we don't want to say that one person's trauma is worse than another's or I don't know that that becomes obviously very tricky territory, um, abstractly speaking. Mm -hmm. And I think the episode is trying to get us to think about like we could arrive at the same emotions through different things, but I think it's a real, it's a real whiff when you do something like that. Um, because it's like I don't care if Will gets sad when people call him a pig that is not the same thing as the word that Lido saw at, mm-hmm. at all not like we're in a different clothes. ball game right now um so that was the part that I was the most I think the most uh critical of um yeah but otherwise I I thought that the episode was did the intercutting in a really fun and and compelling way for me
0: um I, I wanted to continue to highlight that Kala scene, because it does exactly what you're talking about much better to me. Yeah. Um, because her like, happening... speech to
1: Rajan, where she's trying to explain how she's feeling.
0: Yeah, and like the deliberate choice yeah. to not, not have her be like, okay, there are, eight, there are seven people in my brain and they are all from different points of the world. It's like, what she says instead, and I'll probably drop it in here. What's trapping you?
1: If I were to try and explain it to you, You would think I'm actually crazier than I sound. Try me. Okay. Okay, fine. For starters, there are people. People that I feel connected to all over the world that are innocent and yet they're locked up in prison. and and they are trapped by circumstance or by things that have happened in the past. And then there are people without the privilege that we have and they feel threatened because they love a person who the
0: world has decided that they shouldn't love. It's wrong. It's terrible. Gala, Gala. I think I know what's going on. And it's like way more poetic than her just being like, like multiple points in this episode, people think, should I tell my loved ones like what's going on? And they try to, but the truth is like, you can't just say that. It doesn't track for them to say like, there's seven people in my brain. That's not, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense to them, nor does it make sense to another person. So instead we hear they're all their different interpretations, like Caffius like, explaining Sun as a sort of spirit when Jella asks him who who taught him martial arts. And he says, oh, the spirit of a South Korean woman, but she's a business lady like that's more that makes much more sense in his cultural context than saying the truth that we understand. Does that make sense? like yeah, I like that stuff definitely. a lot more. I like hearing them explain what sensateness is like,
1: yeah and the and also see the scenes where they can't like this I think one of the more affecting moments or one of several affecting moments for me is when will calls his dad and. Yeah his dad just gets pissed at him for not being around and will can't explain the situation to him at all. Right, because um, the
0: situation's even weirder.
1: Yeah, and because it is tied to this previous moment where uh he was seeing or hearing um what's her face Sarah, Sarah patrol as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um and so he's put into therapy for it and you know there's a lot more baggage and his dad is clearly not the most emotionally intelligent communicative guy. Um, so it's interesting to see that too, of like where does communication break down or where are there the kind of barriers between us and the people we love and the experiences we're able to explain to them. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And, and like the value of trying to explain your experience to someone else or saying, Hey, I like bug explaining to Nomi and Amanita that he has friends who he cares about who he's never met. It's it, kind of he's doing the same thing once again uh right and that's why that leads to like some of my favorite stuff in sense eight overall which is the sensates explaining things to each other like yeah in this episode before the orgy scene we get kala um you know nervous about having sex for the first time at 28 years old or whatever and son of all people is the one who she talks to in her cell yeah and this wonderful like little flashback um, by the way, impressive that they made Duna Bay look 17 years old here. I don't know what makeup wizardry they did, but like yeah. we see Sun in a martial arts competition that she wins and her dad watched, but he still doesn't approve, even though she won. And the guy that she beat uh kind of like comes up to her in the locker room and says, I'm really happy to have fought you. And that's when she had sex for the first time, and she says the line, We exist because of sex. It's not something to be afraid of. It's something of honor to enjoy cut to gratuitous eight person orgy. Uh, (laughs) And I think that show is trying to tell us like we can, we can learn the things that make us the most afraid. We can just learn other people have done it, experienced it. They've been afraid of it too, whether it's in the past by studying history or in the present by going on the internet or reading what people think or going into your community and asking about these things. Like uh, sex in particular, is such a good example of that, of how we pull from shared experience because especially in like Western society, we don't talk about sex in a way where like not necessarily everybody learns how to physically do it or what's good Mm -hmm. and bad about it or why it's important to society that we can still do it. Uh, We're kind of taught it in private and not asked to talk about it, which is like really bad because then you end up in a college situation where you're a grown adult and you don't know what it is because no one talks about it. Like I just, I think that the show is finally making a case for why it's so sexy and horny is like, These are Uh things that we're told to suppress and it's really useful if you see other people do it sometimes because then you realize, oh, it's not that weird. I I really, really liked all of that. I'm just a big Kala fan. We'll talk about ranking the Sensates later, but um, (laughs) I think she got a lot of the emotional weight out of this episode, to be honest with you. I think so
1: too. I think of all the characters who had character growth in this episode um, or went through character change, I think Kala is up there and Sun
0: probably. Are the two
1: and Leto, yes. those three, I think, have the most like transformative experience in this episode.
0: Well, Rajan's dick is transformed because he, he breaks <laughs> him in half. <laughs> that Italian doctor is Love a clown. King, what a character.
1: Yeah, total king. Oh boy, honeymoon, huh? You show. Have fun, buddy. See you later. He's like, We did what have a-
0: fun. That's the problem. He's like, Oh, um, I mean, she still loves you. Like, it's pro- it's not broken, probably. What? Yeah. It's, not, it's not. Is it broken? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Fucking, I don't know. It's like you're the doctor.
1: <laughs> yeah. See you later. Bye. He just leaves. Pretty funny. Also, yeah, I don't know. We don't have. Uh, let's save a deeper version of this conversation for later, just returning to the critique that you mentioned before of mm-hmm. Rajan and uh, like the trope of always going with the white guy instead yeah. of. Yeah. But. Uh, It's just like kind of hilarious how much of a wife guy he is in this episode. Uh, The moment where where he sees her in the lingerie and shouts, "My wife, wife? (laughs) King, dude, come on!" Uh, We respect
0: Rajan here at chats. (laughs) He's
1: no, he's very cute in this episode, and uh, it seems like Kala has some genuine. Sentiment and feeling for him. I don't know. It's sort of hard to parse. That's why the
0: thing about her virginity bothers her so much. It's like, uh, don't, we have good communication. Don't we talk to each other? Why did you ask my mom? That's really personal. She says, it made me feel like property. It made me feel like you were like, like trading cattle with my mom. You don't ask her that shit. My roommate was like, why is that such a big deal? I'm like, imagine if somebody asked your mom, if you've had sex before, they didn't ask you like your girlfriend asked your mom. It's like, oh, it just feels awful, and that's like your husband, dude. So yeah. I, I super get why she like felt that way,
1: for sure. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really liked their plot, and I liked that it had some humor to it. I, I liked the comedy of the scene where she's trying to have sex with him for the first time, and Wolfgang's right there, just totally, <laughs>
0: totally plowing fucking a hard. girl. Yeah, having uh, a great time. And she's like, "Can you leave?" And he's like, "No." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't those pretty funny <laughs> yeah uh, um a little a little silly that amanita and nomi are talking about having a sex nick ugh. for the for nomi's birthday they're just Come cringe on,
0: enough now. that they would say that but like that's pretty cringe y'all that's yeah pretty cringe. also
1: where are where are they that they're having this sex nick in broad daylight in the middle of san francisco dolores park no, no and nomi's a fugitive <laughs> doesn't quite make sense But uh, sure, why not?
0: Public nudity, San Francisco. I shouldn't Google this on my computer, but I'm doing it. Not unusual to see public nudity. Seven places where you can take it all off in San Francisco. Okay, let me see if Dolores Park is on here. Scroll, scroll, scroll. It's not. Although I literally have real-life friends. Not the one that I went to San Francisco with, but I have other real-life friends who have lived in San Francisco and have been naked in Dolores Park. So, believe it or not, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, this happens. All right. Maybe like sex in public is weird, and also, yeah, she is a fugitive. <laughs> That's bananas. <laughs> but the show doesn't have any interest in addressing uh, that. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I had a quick hit about son. Uh, yeah, I am sure this was in your notes too. But, um, just like the repeated lawyers that come in and they're like, "Hello, son. I'm your lawyer. What happened to the last lawyer?" Well, he fucking died. <laughs> I mean, sorry. He disappeared mysteriously. Right. We don't know what happened to him. I'm your new lawyer. I think you yeah. should do this. I think you should subpoena your brother. I think this. And uh-huh. the last guy, she's like, okay, what do you want me to do? And all of the states are like, he's lying. Fuck that guy. He's going to fight yeah. you. And she gets to have this like great like egged on by her peers, gets to beat the crap out of several dudes with like a taser and a gun and a baton and all this stuff. It's awesome. Yeah.
1: There are a couple of those moments. She has the Will like gets her out of the handcuff and then she uses the handcuff like a nunchuck or something. It's so cool. It's the
0: thickest, chunkiest uh, handcuff I've ever seen. It's like a combat handcuff. I love it. Yeah.
1: Um, And then there's that fight and then there's the fight that Wolfgang does later um, with everybody's help, which is also great. And Sun is like Calm down, or breathe, or something, and then she beats everybody up. So yes, good! Yes. What a fun show!
0: What a fun show! This is just fun. Yeah. The Chris special is fun. What can I tell you? Yeah, um I had a question. How did you feel? We've been dismissive of
1: the like, uh, for lack of a better word, main plot of the mm-hmm. show, or the you know the lore of it, or whatever. We get a lot more whispers in this one. Uh, he's grilling will will grills him back we get some talks with jonas there's a scene with jonas where we learn like five different quick facts uh, <laughs> several which I, proper I can, nouns i can just share real quick yeah um so we're talking to jonas we're talking about angelica and about whispers and spying on whispers hanging out with his daughter so we learn the following information Whispers has a daughter and a family. We learn later when Will's talking to him that he has a tan line where a ring should be. So he's married, it seems. Uh, He takes pills that can block Cycelium. Mm -hmm. Sensate births pass along sensory memories. So all the sensates have some of Angelica's memories. And we see more of Angelica in this. Mm -hmm. There are other hunters besides Whispers. And this was not Angelica's first cluster. Oh. That's all. We learn all that information. So what did you think of the lore stuff, Jonas, the Whisper stuff? It's kind of sprinkled throughout the episode.
0: Like on one hand, it it advances nothing. And on the other hand, it feels like it's going to all be crucial for season two. Like Mm -hmm. I really, really want season two to show us other clusters, to show us more about Angelica and Jonas. We saw the site of their first date. And I was like, oh, nice. Angelica Mm -hmm. and Jonas are characters. Oh, and that's gone now. And I wanted a little bit more of that. And I think that, like, yeah, all of this lore stuff is is building a season two that I'm starting to be interested in, like, sincerely. Um, So I think it works for me in terms of, like, setting something else up. In this episode, it's, like, feels perfunctory. But, you know, you have to say all this at some point. So Um, I was into it, believe it or not. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not bad. It's just whatever. It's lore. Yeah.
1: I I think now that Whispers is more of a talking character who is creeping us out, I like it more because we start to get that like JMS style cat and mouse interrogation scene stuff mm-hmm. that reminded me of some of the best versions of that from Babylon 5. So uh, I was into that stuff. Uh and I thought it was a nice tonal counterbalance to Woo, it's a party. Yes, let's go.
0: Kind of Yeah, totally. Yeah, I also wanted to bring up um the there's just a couple of like Wolfgang Felix things. It's it makes me happy to see Wolfgang and Felix again. Uh yeah. I did fall for the fake out where Felix is like you know, I'm back here where I got shot and I think it's time to hang up the belt. And it's like, damn, really? And he's like, no, it's not time Uh, to do that, actually. Uh, (laughs) Fully fell for it. Fully egg on my face. Yeah,
1: There's also that moment where someone pulls up to them in a car or something and Felix is like, don't worry, I can't get shot again. That would be terrible plotting. (laughs) And then in the fight scene he's on the ground and someone almost shoots him and I fell for that and I was like, no, they're gonna... Uh, 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 I fell for it. That would be terrible plotting. Yeah, it would be. Damn.
0: Uh, and then when, when Wolfgang is like dealing with that and then he goes out into the snow and is like, I've never seen snow before. And they have this wonderful romantic like snowball fight. Of course, mm-hmm. this was the moment of the week that my roommate called out before it happened. Uh, two hot girls walk by with Felix and they're like, huh? And he's like... <laughs> stop he's like throwing snowballs at nothing and Felix instead of judging him goes like what are you on and where can I get some so cartoonish and good
1: yeah
0: yeah um Siri just heard the last like 15 minutes of me talking that's really impressive um thank you Siri Mm -hmm. uh my last big hits uh Hallelujah the use of the song Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen Mm -hmm. the cover uh but from Daniel Martin Moore um and all the Christmas gifts it's so it's so saccharine and gooey and sweet Wolfgang got Felix two deluxe luxury condoms Uh cute (laughs) and is watching It's a Wonderful Life with his mom I melted this is the Christmas episode I wanted is this exact scene and nothing else uh huh uh are you a Christmas guy are you like a Christmas special like Christmas movies kind of guy I guess I don't know if I've asked you this Um, precisely um that's a good question
1: i think i like um i think i like holidays i like when parts of the year are just a certain kind of thing just because that's what we do Mm -hmm. and so i appreciated that about this episode that it seems so interested in occasion and ceremony and the ways that we try to make things special but also how sometimes those days kind of blend together or feel like they rush by us I do like Christmasy stuff because it's such a it's its own thing. Like there's not another month, well, October. I was gonna say there's not another month that has its own genre of movie, but there's not another That's month. It, though. That, That's those are the two. Right, those are the two, which is like a it's a fun thing. So sure, I'll watch some Christmas stuff. I think there are certain Christmas things that I'm like, nah. Like I've not really a love actually.
0: No, God Love Actually is not that that good.
1: I don't think that movie is that great. Mm -hmm. I have long since lost my um, nostalgia for like the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer claymation type stuff Mm -hmm. that I used to love as a kid. Um, But I was looking forward to this episode being more Christmassy and then it was just not at all, Um, which was a little – I'm like, wait, this is the Christmas special, right? <laughs> well, I, when when it hit their birthday in August, I was like, "Is this what it means by Happy New Year? That their birthday is the New Year?" But there's like another hour and a half. Are we going to go all the way to new, actual New Year's? And then we did. We do, yeah.
0: No, it's it's yeah. really not a Christmas. That's why I think that that's part of why they made it season two, episode one, is it's not enough yeah. for a Christmas special in the style of like the kid, the cartoons you watched as a kid. Or Doctor Who, or like any show, any major show that has a notable Christmas special. It's like about the yeah. themes of Christmas, and this is not that. And when it is Christmas, it's aesthetic and only. Um, there is some like yeah. points about ceremony, holidays, why we celebrate, how we can put aside our differences. There's a part where, you know, Riley's like, oh, Whispers isn't going to come to us. He has a family, and thus the people with families would never hurt others on a holiday, they're too busy. And it's like, well, actually, the show isn't like that. And people aren't like that. Sorry. Uh, yeah, but it ties right. back into, like, Christmas is the most, in its corporate sense, it's the most earnest holiday. An uh, American holiday. Sorry. Uh, uh-huh. And I think that the show is always attempting to, like, to vouch for earnestness as, like, a good method of living. So it makes sense that, like, at our key plot turning point, we're going to use Christmas as a plot. As a as a mm-hmm. moment in time, I mean. Yeah. Um, like, I, I get why you put Christmas here, but just like I wanted to see more. I want to see a little bit more Christmas. Mm-hmm. I'm a sap for Christmas, for what it's worth, just to answer the question myself. I love that shit. I eat it up. Yeah. Uh, Last note here, the line where the creepy guy that Wolfgang and Felix now work for uh, invites them to a cool rooftop New Year's Eve party. Uh, fascinating bit of like the themes are written in big red letters. Uh, they're on a high building, and Felix is like, "Everyone else down there sucks," and he goes, "You know, when I was like working my way up, I in in Germany, people always talked about West and East Berlin or whatever." And the truth is, the difference between people isn't East and West; it's vertical. And I was like, "Huh?" And then I, and I turn to my room, and I go, "Oh, class warfare! Oh shit!" <laughs> and like, yeah. what? That's nothing. Like, that's actually not none of the
1: show is about that right <laughs> right it's such a weird random thing for this guy to say and he kind of has this facial expression of
0: Huh, i anyway, said the thing huh. i'll see you later i guess like,
1: what? <laughs> like who are you it, it, the wolf king plot is a little weird because that guy does this whole kind of thumb on the scale i'm a tough guy i'm gonna intimidate you thing and it feels like he's gonna you know kill our guys but then he just invites them to hang out with him and they're like Okay, sure. (laughs) I will say my uh, MVP award for this episode, I'm starting and ending the MVP awards uh, on this episode of Chats today. Um, He gets the MVP award because he has quite possibly the best character actor reaction shot I've ever seen where he's in close up and Wolfgang's like, if I wanted the whole city, I would have taken it by now or something like that. And we're looking at the guy and he kind of like, you know, jerks his mouth to the side and cocks his head, blows all the smoke out of the side of his mouth Oof. and like kind of rubs his head and shakes it like, ugh. It's just like such a good reaction shot. Um, and I'm going to find the timestamp for it right now so that you can see it for yourself. Beautiful. So you can see it for yourself. Um, but I was like, damn, this guy really had five seconds of camera time just now that he did not waste mm-hmm. whatsoever.
0: You understood the assignment. Yeah. We did the news.
1: Yeah, we did the news. Any other moments from the episode that you uh, want to talk about?
0: Mm, Bug has a t-shirt that says superlative conspiracy, which is fun to say. That's all I got.
1: That is fun to say.
0: Uh, you want to re-rank? The- oh, wait, do you have any other spares?
1: This show looks so much better on my computer than on my cell phone.
0: Bro, wow. I was going to ask what, you, what with the orgy show. scene, did you watch that on the train or what? Um, it's like the most orgy-ass th- orgy scene so far.
1: No, I was like brushing my teeth, getting ready for bed, and then they oh. started having an orgy. And I was like, okay. All
0: right, I should go to bed. Um, <laughs> yeah. 4K, baby. The show looks incredible, top to bottom. 4K, Wow. Well, yeah, we got the big, big TV. Actually, I actually don't know if it broadcasts in 4K. Probably not. Probably 1080, but we have a 4K TV, so the visual quality is really good. can see Whisper's Ooh, big beard and crispy graphic. I'm still trying to
1: find this guy's reaction shot. Where are you? Almost there. Yeah, we're talking to all our bad guys. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Leto's looking at Twitter. Wow, look at that old Twitter logo. Oh, later. yeah,
0: yeah. He's like watching my career blow up in real time. Uh huh. Okay, Leto.
1: Yeah, okay, he says you and I could own the city. Wolf King says if I was interested it'd already be mine. Okay, then we cut to the close up of the guy at uh about thirty-five minutes and forty two seconds left. And he's putting the cigar in his mouth.
0: Thirty-five forty two left. Yeah, Stupid. remaining. Do you
1: want me to share my screen?
0: Yeah. You can just do that.
1: Oh, will Netflix not show up if I do it?
0: Oh you have to turn off thingy problem. Can you see it? Um I can see it. Okay. It must have turned off your hardware acceleration at some point. Okay. <laughs> ooh. Ooh. Doesn't he do a really good job? He's doing smoke tricks over here. Volker. Okay, Volker.
1: He goes through like three different emotions and does little smoke <laughs> tricks. Yeah,
0: you <yeah. laughs> It's such a good reaction shot. I love it. I'll try and pull a clip for people or something later if you can't find it. But I,
1: Yeah, I don't even know if that's possible. I mean, if someone could make a GIF of that, yeah, I think that would Nick, be an please. amazing meme. Amazing meme format.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. Thank you. That whole scene's yeah. absurd. Volker's just got good outfits. That's all I have to say about him. He's vibes. I think we're going to see more of him being yeah. vibes.
1: Volker is vibes. Volker is vibes. I have a, just a couple quick hits that uh, I'm done. Yeah, it was kind of where the Van Damme is back i don't know and then people being like the spirit of van Dam. i love him i don't know that all yeah. felt like a very kind of back to square one plot yep. but it was nice we to see jella happy so that was good uh rajan breaking his dick it's only a sprain well that's good that's good news uh uh the whole bit where they changed the codes on lito's apartment and then everything was gone was a lot um, but I really thought it was funny when Lito's like about to try to body slam the glass door, and Hernando can tell. And the way that Hernando tries to stop it is he just goes, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?" Like he doesn't—he <laughs> doesn't really intervene in a useful way. He's just panicking, like, uh, "Oh my god, you're about to do something really dumb. What is it?"
0: Um. Also, in that scene but, when there uh, he calls the like landlord or whatever, and he's like. You're supposed to be the good guy. If you keep listening to the background, Lito and Hernando keep going like, I thought it was a good guy. He was the good guy. No, isn't he? You're telling me he's the good guy. He <laughs> yeah. was formerly the good guy. He's not the good guy anymore. He sucks. <laughs> it goes for uh, a it while. must have been ad-libbed. I think so, yeah.
1: Danny has this weird line where all Lito's stuff is gone and she says, this is Mexico. The sad thing is I've seen worse. Yep. Like, what You're, are you you're not allowed to write that nope. in your show. Stop that. Uh I really like Felix has the line, I know I said it was our revolution. I forgot in revolutions that people get, get shot. shot. Yeah.
0: Funny. funny, Uh funny. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh when Kala and Rajan are looking at their new place and there's a pool, I wrote, No Kala, don't get a pool. Wolf King loves pools. Yeah. Um Oh my god, the beginning of the episode we didn't talk about this. But when they're all floating in the water Mm. and it's showing you like where they're at right now, that's a pretty good sequence. It
0: really is. Everyone's really hot. That's my that was my notes there. I was just like, okay, where are we in Sensei? Wow. Naked bodies. Whoa. Beautiful. Swimming. Whoa. Swimming. Like I didn't have much about it, but it's like they filmed that. They like put a bunch of people in a fucking big pool.
1: Yeah, it's cool. It's a really cool sequence,
0: and it's uh, what's the song? Uh, Feeling good. It's cool. Yeah, to... it's a good use of that song. Yeah, I like um, slow pool stuff. Sorry.
1: Yeah, and the lyric: "It's a new dawn. It's a new day. Mm-hmm. Boom! We're doing this season this, two. All baby. this stuff. Doing drugs now. What a great way to start the season." Agreed. Um. I wrote down. You have to hope Whispers isn't good at GeoGuessr.
0: I laughed that's essentially so hard at your playing. I fucking cracked up at your note, dude.
1: I, you bolded it, so I felt like I had to read it out it's, loud. That's
0: amazing because I'm imagining that guy on TikTok who's like a god at GeoGuessr. Like, he sees like the. You know what I'm talking about? There's like a guy in GeoGuessr who can like solve yeah, stuff in a yeah, millisecond, yeah. and he's like, "Yep, red rock." You do
1: not want him hunting for the BPO. That's for. That's You're for damn dead for sure. in
0: five seconds.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: uh yeah i thank you for bringing that up i didn't even consider that the comedy of that
1: yeah um and then the last thing is just i really to me what's really unique about this episode and i like the most is rajan has this line where he's talking about thinking about the the year that has transpired and what if this had happened or that had happened what would have been different and he says how fast everything can change and It's just a really interesting thing to say so close to the end of an episode where things have changed a lot, but not that much, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like there's this kind of duality to this to this that I think is really fascinating. When you zoom out enough from your life, it feels very eventful, but also feels very recursive um, and how that's like a. To me, a, a very um, engaging tension that this episode Definitely. is able to capture.
0: Well said. Depends on how you look at it, how much you've actually changed yeah. meaningfully.
1: Right. Uh, do you want to rank the Sensates? Let's do it. So our previous ranking as of episode four. Is this that's the last time we ranked? Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Uh Caffius number one. Kala number two, Nomi number three, Leto number four, Sun number five, Wolfgang Wolf number six, Riley number seven, and Will number eight. Uh, okay, so why don't we just do this King of the Hill style and go down? Yeah, start from, from, from the top and tell to me top. who
0: goes up. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay, so Caffius versus Kala. Is that still Caffius above Kala?
0: No, above as of this plot, think I so. think Kala takes it finally.
1: I think so too. Um. So let's bring Kala to the top. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna separate. The, I love it when a, w- a wife guy breaks his
0: dick. What can I say? <laughs> I laughed out loud.
1: Same. When he f- <laughs> fucking snaps his. <laughs> oh, <stick>. ah, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. Okay. Nomi. Does Nomi go? Above Kala, in between, or below Caffius?
0: Mm. I think she goes just barely above Caffius.
1: I think so, too. I think there just wasn't enough that was, like, new here for me. I did, like, the Nomi Sun scene where Sun watches her brother's interview, and everyone's like, "Uh uh-oh, is she going to break the computer again? And then she She hits hits the the Chinese food. Yeah, Yeah, that was pretty fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, Lido. Um, where does Lido land for you?
0: Better than Nomi. Not as good as Kala. Yeah, that sounds right.
1: Sun? I feel like Sun is going to climb the ranks this week. Yeah,
0: she's, done, she's doing great. She's Sun so got cool. She might be better than Lido. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I did like seeing Lido's mom. I hope I see the actress more. I think she's like me a too. famous Mexican actress, actually. like I looked her up.
1: I believe it uh wolfgang interesting i like i like wolfgang a lot more nowadays i i don't like the berlin
0: yeah the kingdoms
1: stuff like that's dumb to me but i like him i like how he's kind of sad about kala i like that he's hanging out with felix again so i'm i'm torn i think he goes somewhere in the middle
0: uh below know me above kaffias
1: yeah that works
0: and then um, our last two, Riley and Will. I just think you switch these.
1: Yeah, I think that, and they stay at the bottom. Yeah, I liked their relationship a lot more this yeah. time than I have. Um, I like them hanging out and being cute together. Mm-hmm. But give Riley something to do in the episode, and not just know?
0: not just give her someone to do, but give her something to do. Yeah,
1: yeah. She, like, doesn't do much of... Except Will. ...anything. Sorry, I'll stop. Will. <laughs> she shaves Will's beard once, and then he and gets then he it back, back. In,
0: like, five minutes. Well, I guess months pass, but, like, come on. Yeah. Hope-
1: she also is helping him a lot and keeping them alive. Like, she is doing a lot of
0: She's work. speaking Dutch to a drug dealer who's giving them more heroin and Narcan. Thank you for actually pointing out that they should have Narcan handy. That's really responsible of the show. What does that do? Narcan can prevent an overdose. Or it can reverse the effects of an overdose, rather. Okay. It's like an emergency supply that if you're somebody who does a lot of drugs, you should have, absolutely have Narcan handy. That's my PSA for you.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I'm just
0: saying to John, in case you ever get into like really hard drugs. I don't know. I don't know your life. Uh, That brings us to a top eight. Kala, Sun, Lido, Nomi, Wolfgang, Caffeus Will, and Riley. And those rankings will continue to shake up as we re-rank the Sensates down the line before the end of the series. That brings us to the close for now, Magellan. I'm going to, if you don't mind, tell you what we're watching next week on Chats 8. Let's do it. We're beginning our real deep dive into Season 2 of Sense8 now, folks, with Season 2, Episode 2, Who Am I? Willen whispers each race to piece together the other's location, while Leto heads to his first movie premiere since the photos leaked. Ooh, hmm. crunchy. Uh, okay. We're also watching season two, episode three, Obligate Mutualisms. Great title. Can't wait to find out what lore bullshit that means. The sensei to make contact with a key figure in BPO. Ripped from her prison cell, Sun sends out a plea for help, and Wolfgang meets an intriguing stranger. This is one of the highest rated... These like two episodes in a row are like really highly rated on IMDb for some reason.
1: Hmm, okay.
0: Not the highest, but yeah let's find out why next time match before we go i want to know where people can find you on the internet
1: an obligate mutualism is when one organism well, two organisms are in such close proximity and interdependent such that one can't survive without the other cute it's like a scientific term
0: it's like boyfriending boyfriend go ahead
1: Yeah, boyfriend. You can find me on another podcast called Super Smash Echoes. It's a video game podcast that I host with my friend Justin. We play video games related to the Super Smash
0: Brothers franchise, Super Smash Echoes. Check it out. Alan, what about you? The Hunters Quorum. The Monsters Quorum is probably going to be the rename soon. It's a podcast on scammymedia.com. Oh, that's
1: a good splitting the difference. I like that.
0: Yeah, we were like, God, we really screwed ourselves. What are we going to do? And I was like, six, what about the Monsters Quorum? And they were like, fuck.
1: That's great. Because then you could do other monster content.
0: Bing, bong. We can finally do Monster Rancher.
1: You could do all the Godzilla monsters.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Oh, what a nice name. You can do the Monster Masters. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's not official yet but right now it's on uh feeds as the hunters quorum slash the johto quorum and it's a podcast where my friend six and i talk about monsters both from pokemon and the monster hunter video games um we're gonna be recording an episode soon about pokemon scarlet and violet which i have a lot of thoughts on mainly positive you may be surprised um and that can be found at com. my other main gig is in every other month podcast called talking marketing which can be found at amaboston.org. That's a podcast that I run for my volunteer job where I interview marketing professionals about their craft in a easy and accessible and fun, engaging, conversational way. So check that shit out, please, if you don't mind. Thank you. Um, That brings us to our plug zone for chats, folks. I can take this one, Meg, if you don't mind. Go for it. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, our email is chatspod at gmail.com. All instances of chatspod are C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D. Our Twitter... While Twitter still exists, we don't know the status of Twitter. It's at Chatspod for now, um, and we'll move to other places as needed. We have a lot of that. That that username is squatted in many places. Uh, our community-run subreddit is r/Chatspod. Um, it's been a little bit inactive recently, but we want to get back to listening to old Chats episodes sooner than later. When our community has the bandwidth to do that, no rush, well, literally whatsoever. Uh, if you like this show and you want to support us, we have a couple ways you can do that. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and if you put a rating in there, give us a star rating, write a review—we really appreciate that—and it'll help us get the word out there. Um, and if you want to support us financially, we have a Patreon, which is Patreon.com/ChatsPod. Um, at one, three, and five dollars a month, we have all sorts of fun tiers with bonus content galore uh, from the last four years, as on mentioned earlier. Uh, And if you back us at $5 or more, you get thanked at the end of each main feed episode of Chats. And those $5 patrons include Arthur, Jen, Justin, Kat, Lee, Magellan's mom, Marcus, Michael, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Six, and Stefan. Thank you guys for supporting Chats. If you want to hear about all things Chats, that can be found all together at chatspod.com. And if you like our main feed podcast art, it's done by our friend Camilla, who can be found at Camilla Strader on all of the social media platforms. Um, And that's the last thing I got. Before we go, though, our final segment, very briefly, we're going to do chat sums. This is where the hosts of chats recommend you something to enjoy between now and next week. So, Magellan, you can go first. What is your chat sum this week, bud? Uh,
1: Okay, yeah, my chat sum is maybe it's kind of me specific or it's specific to people who share a particular condition of mine, but I want to tell you about something that I did today. Okay. So I um well over the weekend. So I snore when I sleep pretty loudly and quite frequently. Um and uh bit of a honk
0: shoo me mi me, me, sorry.
1: Bit of a honkshu me mi me, me. And my primary care physician at my uh annual checkup last year is like, oh have you ever gotten tested for sleep apnea? Finally got around to going to the pulmonologist, saying, hey, should I get checked out for this? I got an at-home sleep test. And, uh, you know, I, I obviously you can't do this unless you need it. But taking an at-home sleep test is really quite interesting. I had to, like, wrap a thing around my chest and put a thing in my nose and put a thing on my finger. And then I went to the doctor and I saw, like, the full readout of my whole night of sleep like what position I was lying in and how well I was breathing at any given time. And now I'm going to get a CPAP machine for my sleep apnea because I don't get all the oxygen I need when I sleep. Oops. Um,
0: That's cool, dude.
1: So that was something that was kind of cool. I would just say more broadly, like that appointment that you're putting off, which I do a lot because you're worried that somebody's going to give you some bad news. Sometimes it's kind of fun to get, news that it's bad in a way but you have a solution now or a definition for it and you get to do something you've never done before And is isn't that kind of interesting so yeah, pro medicine that's my that's my recommendation is go schedule that appointment that you've been meeting to because uh maybe there's a story in it
0: somewhere well said you just made me smile thank you for saying Thanks.
1: that alan what about you
0: um, so this is actually a re, kind of a re rechatsum from all the way back in Chats on Five, Episode Twelve. Mm. Chats on Five, Twelve, Magellan, uh, Chatsum till death do us splart, which is a podcast <laughs> where the McElroy brothers and Guy and Tim from the Worst Idea of All Time podcast watch Paul Blart Mall Cop Two every Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's been running since 2016, I believe, 2015, I forget. Uh, and I listened to it this year, but I actually watched it along with their 2020 live commentary. Uh, which that's is pretty fun. It's just on YouTube. Um, I wanted to pivot this to be a, a, a chat sum for the film Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. Uh, <laughs> I'm infamously really like. I like most things that I watch and I consume. I try to. I try to find the good in them. I really yeah. disliked that movie. I thought it was really bad. Like <laughs> it's like poorly conceived. It's got really funny moments despite it, but on a basic structural level, it sucks. It that's. So yeah, this is an anti-Chatsum for Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. It's not good. Yeah,
1: it's a bad movie,
0: and I feel bad for somebody who would make themselves suffer and watch it every year until they die. But mm-hmm. uh, it's a rage Chatsum for Till Death Do Us Part because we haven't Chatsumed did in like four years, and uh, it's an anti-Chatsum for Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. <laughs> I thought uh-huh. I remember thinking the first movie was like fine, but I was also a small baby when I watched it. Whatever, two thousand eight.
1: Yeah, I also remember liking the first one.
0: Click was better. Yeah. Bodied. Bodied. Whoo, that's what we got, folks. We're rolling right into Sensate Season 2, starting with a bang with this Christmas special. And I want to say thank you, as always, to Magellan for being the rock to my heart place. I don't say that one enough, but that's the real, like, the core of what mm-hmm. we do here at the little outro is that you're the rock to my heart place. So thank you for that.
1: The little outro.
0: Cute. This little outro thing that we do. And thank you for being here and listening to this episode of Chats 8. Bye. See ya.